Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet, as always. Christian, the Avalanche just beat the odds-on favorite Stanley Cup winners for the end of the season, or at least from the preseason, the odds-on favorites to win the Cup this year. And they scored six goals while they were doing it. And yet the consensus, I think, for most people, but most importantly, Coach Bednar, is that the Avs played far from their best game. Are you like me and extremely encouraged by that, that they did that to Carolina? but also have nowhere to go but up, basically. I mean, I said that in the last episode. I still don't think the Avs have played, like, their best game yet. I I think Chicago was the closest we've come to that, and that was Chicago, so you really can't take too much for granted there. I mean, if we're being honest about Saturday's game, the Avs had ridiculous puck luck in that game. The Avs did not play well in this game, and uh, they've still found a way to win, and that, I think, is the encouraging part, and we talked about it, I think you said it a couple episodes ago, it's just the maturity of this team. They found a different way to win the game. Georgiev was not great in this Hurricanes game, but the offense carried him this time. It wasn't Georgiev carrying the abs, it was the offense carrying the abs. Yeah, I think it's maturity, which we talked about last episode, and also something we didn't mention, versatility, which is something that this team has always been able to do, but through, again, small sample size of five games this season, They've won their games in like different fashions each time. And this one, I even wouldn't I wouldn't even say Georgiev wasn't good in this game. The, the puck was just bouncing on him, like just a couple ones where there's a screen in front of him, a puck's going a weird way, but just not bailing the team out and putting up a 960. The abs had to outscore their problems and get into a track meet, which is probably what they're best at considering right. their speed and the amount of talent they have. But you look at all the games that they've won so far this season. They've done it in kind of a different fashion each time. And then when you get to later in the season, and obviously most importantly, the playoffs, that translates very well. You don't have one style of play that's going to get locked down as you need to do this to beat the Avs because the Avs are comfortable. And this is something that reminds me of the cup year. The Avs can play however you want them to. If you're going to try to shut them down and grind it out to a two to one game, They can win those games. They've shown over the years, even last year, they can win those games, especially in the cup year, they can win those games. And if Georgiev is just not on a bender 
on the night. The Avs can go and outscore their problems, but there were still problems in this game that, that are going to need to be worked on because on paper, you did just beat the Carolina Hurricanes, who, like I said, were the preseason odds-on favorites to win this year. That is not what that team is going to look like. Correct. In April. That is an unfinished product. I think we can all acknowledge that that was not a full-power Hurricanes team. No, I mean, you had Aho out. You still have Svechnikov out. Freddie was hurt. Um, and, yeah, that, that is not the Carolina Hurricanes we're going to be seeing. I, I forget when we play them next. Isn't it in, like, November or December? We always play them pretty close together. Don't right. We? It's usually an East Coast trip. I don't think it's in this next couple of weeks, but um, I will yeah, the, 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 the Hurricanes are going to be a lot better than what they showed in this game. And quite frankly, I think the Avs are going to be a lot better than what they showed in this game. Yeah. I mean, you look at this, this could very well be a Stanley Cup final preview if you get like what the, the paper Stanley Cup final would be this year. And also we played them February 8th. So we won't see them again for a little while here, but like I was just saying, like this could be a Stanley Cup final preview. And if, if that's the case, that's not what this matchup is going to look like. But there have been some very chaotic games against the Hurricanes over the last couple of years when you look at the times that the Avs and the Canes have matched up. And this one was definitely one of them. And it was really just all condensed into that second period where the Avs scored five goals, but were also trailing three to two. After Logan O'Connor scored his third shorthanded goal in three Dude, games, are, what what are we doing? Like, is Logan O'Connor actually going to do this? Is he going to score like ten plus goals this year? We'll see. I mean, we've talked about last episode. He loves his early season benders, but this one's like a little different because it's all shorthanded goals, and it seems like he's found a little bit of finish. And you do have to give him credit for tying a Joe Sackick record, no matter the context. I loved his post game interview about that. He was like, "I never expected to be in the same sentence as Joe Sackick, but I'll take it." <laughs> like, right, exactly. I, I, I totally appreciate the honesty, but he. I really think there's this could be the year he gets to 10. Is it a contract year for him? Yeah, he's going to be crazy after this of year. Of course yeah. it's a contract year. for. Do yep. you even have to check? Of course it's a contract year for Logan O'Connor. And I'm not even worried about it. He's absolutely coming back. Like Even if he does totally blow up and have a great season, he's just too beloved. Oh, no, I'm wrong. It's not a contract year. Oh, he has I, one more year left? I totally thought it was a contract year. I, yeah. Forgive me. I, I can't I, remember if it was a three- or two-year deal he signed. It back. was a th- it was a three-year deal, but now I remember it was a year early that he signed it. So I thought this was year three. Forgive me. Gotcha. But this We have one more year after this of basically a million dollars, Logan O'Connor. So excuse me, botch that whole conversation. But with Logan O'Connor, it seems like there's a lot more confidence in his game. This feels like more than a hot streak and more just like he's skating confidently. He's shooting confidently, getting in fights. Like he feels like it feels like this is no longer a guy who's fighting for a spot on the team. Not that he was last year in the cup year, but he's fully entrenched in his role and he knows what it is. He's been here for several years now and is clearly a valued member of this team. And it's great to see him get rewarded like this. And the key is he's actually playing the role he's supposed to be playing this year. Exactly. That's the key. Putting Logan O'Connor on the third line is just overplaying him. Logan O'Connor will tell you that himself. He works on this third line and is one of the best penalty killers in the game right now. As you can clearly see by the fact that he's outscoring the power plays he's playing against right now. Yeah, I mean, he he's on fire, man. And, and I hope it continues. It, it's just going to be... If this confidence for Logan O'Connor and this heater lasts 
a little bit longer than they usually do. He he's going to be rock solid, but I agree. He's just entrenched in his role. He knows what he's supposed to do out there. He's playing 11 to 12 minutes a night, which is the perfect amount of Logan O'Connor that you can get. And that fourth line, they were pretty much the difference in this game. If, yeah. if it wasn't for Logan O'Connor's goal and Freddie Olsen getting his first as a member of the abs, it, this would have been a totally different game. Yeah, it would have been a completely different game. I mean, this is one of the things you were talking about when we started this off. The Avs got a couple of things to go their way in this game. We can go back to the beginning of this game. I will, I'll start with, it's such a treat when these two play each other. I can scarcely remember a bad game between these two over the last couple of years. It's, it's a shame we only get to see them twice. Well, it's fun because the Avs tend to win a lot of these. That's what I mean. They have it's, fun games and they win them. So yeah, I like if you look at it, more. it's it's very funny. I I have no data to back this up, but I feel like the past couple of times Carolina's come to Colorado, it's been a high scoring game and the Avs usually win. But then when we go to Carolina, it's like a one goal, two goal game. Yeah, and I feel like you're completely right about that. Like I I remember the one time we lost in the cup year, that was two to nothing with an empty netter with like yeah and the Carolina scored Ethan Bear like bounced one off the ice was was that Gabe Landeskog's was that Gabe Landeskog's last regular season season game game. yep Yep. that was his last regular season game and last year they were pretty close together from what I remember I think we played them both in November yeah yeah the Frankie game of his life yeah four to one four to one in Colorado and then a three to two overtime win where they outshot us to kingdom come and Frankie had one of the best games of his career. So the, these two always meet for some entertaining matchups. So I had some high expectations, and I'm very glad to not be disappointed. Yeah, it, it, it was a super fun game. Like you said, it, it started in the first period. The Az went down one nothing. Uh, Niemi scored an even-strength goal, uh, but technically that was a power play. Like it, In my mind, that was a power play goal because yeah. it was scored with like the power play just expired. So the Avs go down one nothing. Uh, nothing Georgiev can do. Penalty kill was fine in this game. They did allow their first power play goal, which they, the streak had to end eventually, but yeah. still I've been very wrong. I mean, if the there's hurt... been one consistent part for the abs. It's been their penalty kill has been rock solid. The end. Yeah. I, I just, I think Carolina has a power play that matches up well with the abs penalty kill yes. because they play so far behind the net. Not a lot of penalty power plays in this league really generate offense or try to even generate offense from behind the net. And the Avs do tend to struggle with defending power plays when they do try to drive the play behind the net. And Carolina does do that very well. You could see it on this one, where I believe it was Stefan Nason sets up Kakaniemi in front of the net. Two seconds after the power play expires, the Hurricanes go up one to nothing. Before this, I thought it was a pretty tight-checked game. Two teams that just not willing to give up a ton that knows the kind of caliber they're going up against. And... It felt like towards the end of the first period, they get a penalty and Nathan McKinnon's just, the guy's just so good. Dude, yeah. What was that camera angle that they had that replay? Like, why is that not a normal thing in the NHL? That was the coolest highlight that the NHL has put out in forever with that camera angle. Yeah, that was amazing. McKinnon just absolutely deeks Jacob Slavin. Again, emphasize Jacob Slavin. A very good defense. Yeah, nothing nothing even Slavin can do about this play. I mean, it's all just McKinnon knowing exactly what to do. Fires a shot on net with six seconds to go off of the skate of Ryan Johansson into the net, and the Avs get a huge power play goal to tie the game with six seconds to go in the period. What, what were your thoughts on that? Were you having freakouts that Johansson was going to get called for the kicking motion? No, not at all. That was, that was picture perfect from Ryan. I know, but it was just, it's so funny that like, that's just the, the, if you're a new hockey watcher, 
and you watch it, you're like, how's that goal count? And it's like, well, he didn't make a distinct kicking motion, right. even though he perfectly places his foot before the shot where it needs like, to be. Like it, it's but that's one this is one of the things I was talking about with Johansson last episode on the power play. It's that he does those little things in front of the net that this team has been missing on the power play over the last couple of years. Just a little detail like that where he doesn't kick the puck, he directs it in because he knows what to do in that instance. You go to the Chicago game, he's just down there cleaning up the puck in front of the net. If the power play can develop that dimension as well beyond just feeding McKinnon for one-timers or Kale McCarr just ripping shots from the point, it makes it that much more dangerous and adds another layer for penalty kills to adjust to, which then opens the Nathan McKinnon one-timer back up again. And I I love it. Ryan Johansson struggled his first few games, but he's really carved out a role on the power play. Yeah, he, he's getting better and better. I can't remember who tweeted it out, but there was uh, it was like the early season like goals expected and Johansson was up there as someone who's kind of been robbed a little bit. So maybe he'll, maybe he'll get going a little bit. He ties the game at one. And this was the first of many power play goals for the abs because uh, their power play won them the game tonight, uh, Saturday night, excuse me. And uh, yeah, the special teams has been special so far this year. It's really been the difference for this abs team. Yeah. It feels like all the additions they've made, even if they're, they've struggled in other areas on special teams, Everybody's been lights out. Johansson's been great on the power play. Colton and Wood have been great on the penalty kill. And you just give these guys a little more time to get acclimated and everything else. It's going to start looking really nice here. And to continue on Ryan Johansson, even beyond this goal, I really liked his game in this one. This this felt like one of the first games where outside of the power play, he was at least a little dangerous and at least had some chances. And it's good to see him get rewarded for that too. Well, this was his type of game. The Hurricanes play the type of style that Ryan Johansson kind of thrives in, in my opinion. Exactly. So he, he's going to look good in these types of games. So, yeah, abs tie it, one, go into the second period. We already talked about Logan O'Connor with his shorthanded goal, gives the abs a 2-1 lead. But then the Hurricanes, Brett Burns absolutely fires a piss missile of a slap shot, beats Georgiev, ties it on the power play. The abs' first power play goal allowed this year. And then Michael Bunting, who I forgot even went to Carolina. Like I, I, I totally forgot about that. Uh, he scores to make it three to two. The abs go down three to two. I don't know about you. I was feeling like uh, th- this game is kind of slipping away and the abs haven't played that great yet. I was annoyed at the Brent Burns goal because of the two plays that the refs let go where Brent Burns himself is impeding Miles Wood, what basically stops a breakaway. They don't call it. They let another one go shortly after that. And then they go and turn around and call basically the same thing on Kale McCarr on Michael Bunting, which was technically, I guess that's a power play, but you just established 30 seconds ago. That's not a penalty. And that was just funny. I love, I love when Kale McCarr gets animated and he's just, he's he's not a guy who just, he's not a guy who displays anger. Well, and that, that that's okay. There's no, I'm not a guy who displays anger. Well too, but it's just very funny whenever he gets animated because it doesn't happen often. So just seeing him in that box in the video. Even then, he's so nice about it. He's like, look, I did it. But like, look, that you just let these go. Like, he's still admit, you can read his lips. Like, look, I did do it. But you just let these go at the same time. Like, even then, he's still just over the moon happy about life, basically, every single turn. And then you go past that. Burns gets the seeing eye shots. It's a good screen from Carolina. I mean... That, yeah. They screened the shit out of Georgiev in this game, and they yeah, did a really very, good job doing they're it. They're very good at it. And that's something Georgiev has struggled with in the past is dealing with screens, but, you know, it's hard to stop pucks when you can't see that they're coming. So it's a good play from Carolina. 
And then the the goal from Michael Bunting, of course, annoying that it's Bunting after he the gets the call on Kale McCarr and everything. He gives Carolina the lead. So McKinnon's trying to do a lot on this play, he makes a mistake. He tries to block the shot and it just goes right to Bunting. There's nothing Georgiev can do about that. It's just bad luck. And then all of a sudden Carolina has the lead. It feels like it's starting to like you said, slip away. Still plenty of time left in the game. Turns out a lot of time left in the second period because <laughs> basically, what was this, like 90 seconds later, basically, Freddie Olofsson puts together a, a decent little snipe on Peter Koshikov and ties this game back up for the Avalanche. And I know there's a bunch of goals after this, but this is the one where it really felt like it swung because now you have a shorthanded goal from O'Connor now, Freddie Olofsson, only his second NHL goal, by the way. And you get those two guys on the board, and you don't even have McKinnon on the board yet or Rantanen on the board yet. You feel like this game is about to crack wide open. Yeah, and also a big thing, Bo Byron gets his first point of the year, too, on the Freddie Olofsson goal. And we'll big. talk about Byron at the end uh, with what Bet- Coach Bednar said about him. Because um, it, it, it was, I think it was honest of where it was, but it, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, like you said, Freddie gets his first of the year. It was it was a good shot. I mean, the goalie should have saved it, but we'll take it. I mean, if we want to go back to the O'Connor goal too, Koshikov's probably got to have that too. Oh, yeah. This was not a great goaltending game from the Carolina Hurricanes. Peter Koshikov, the game. yeah, it caught it caught it straight up did cost them the game. This was not a good goaltending performance. I mean, skipping ahead a little bit, the Avs scored five goals on eight shots in this period. Peter Koshikov stopped three, and. Yes. It completely screwed the Carolina Hurricanes out of this game. They could not get a beach ball stopped. No, they couldn't. And uh, then we go a little bit, like literally two minutes later, uh, the Avs get a power play. Kale McCarr just undresses the Carolina Hurricanes defense on this play and sets up Ryan Johansson, who then makes the pass to Arturi Lekkinen, like he has probably his easiest goal of the year. And the Avs are up 4-3 in the blink of an eye. It went from, it went from oh, this game could be slipping away to all of a sudden you – I, I was at a bar watching the Michigan Michigan State game. I went to the bathroom and I came back and it was like, oh, cool, we have the lead. <laughs> like this is sweet. Yeah, th- this was just such a beautiful play by Kale McCarr, and like this is just where the amount of talent on this team takes over. The penalties drawn by Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr just dancing around everyone. It's a beautiful shot from Ryan Johansson and beautiful puck awareness from Arturi Lekkinen, who's already crashing the net, just pots it into a wide open cage. Beautiful. It's just you could not execute that any better yeah and the best part about i, I didn't even realize this until i was doing the post game video arturi lekin had four points in this game <laughs> I, I, you know what i didn't even realize that at all he was awesome man he was great in this game so the abs take a 4-3 lead and then literally less than less than two minutes later again uh the guy named nathan mckinnon scores his third goal of the year and just i if you're carolina you may want to cover him you would think so, especially if your goalie's not having the best night. You would try to want to try to keep track of Nathan McKinnon in front of the net. He makes it five to three. I mean, he's he's just alone. Like there's you feel bad for Koshikov because he's already having a shit night. What do you want him to do on this? Yeah, he, there's nothing he can do. There's absolutely nothing he can do. So Nathan McKinnon, we've talked about this before with him. If he can start scoring goals early in the year. 50's on the table for him. He's already at three in five games, which for him is ridiculous because he was at, what, two all the way into December last year? Pretty much. The last two years, he was ridiculously low on the goal scoring until he finally, in January, turned it back up. If he he stays healthy and scores at a normal pace, he's going to hit 50. He'll hit it moonwalking. Yes. So he makes it 5-3. And then the 
there was a little bit of a break. There's a little bit of a break in the goals for the abs. Uh, in the last minute of the second period, Miko Rantanen gets his fourth of the year. Another assist for Kale McCarr, another assist for Arturi Lekkanen. The assist for Kale McCarr and Arturi Lekkanen on this one is funny to me because Miko Rantanen makes this entire play. Like Miko basically does this by himself. Pretty much. Pretty much. And again, Brian Johansson on basically, he factors it on every power play goal here. He gets the pass from Kale McCarr to set up the Lekkanen goal. He sets up the screen for the Miko Rantanen goal on the power play. I don't want it to get overlooked just how important Ryan Johansson has been to this power play success early in the season. But for Rantanen, it's what I was saying after the Olsen goal. You, you don't even have your stars on the board yet. You know you're going to get at least one, and you get both before the period's even over. Yeah, and you get both. And in the second period, the Avs were outshot 16-8. to eight. Like, Carolina outplayed them in this period. It was just that the Hurricanes goalie could not make a save to save his life. No. I mean, Koshikov finished the game with a, a 7-7-8 save percentage. Oof. Like, just impossible to win a game with yes. that. You cannot do it. The, Avs, the fact they only lost by two goals is impressive. Yeah, the Avs finished with 27 shots and had six goals, all with a goalie in net. Can't happen, man. That's yeah. just bad goaltending. And somehow the Avs have a 6-3 lead going into the third period. And... The third period, I, I felt like the Avs played it safe. I don't really think they took many chances in this. Jacob Slavin had a fantastic slap shot that just beats Georgiev short side. Yeah, Nothing shot. Georgiev can do there. Yeah, it was yeah. a perfect shot. Good shot. And it, the cap. Yeah, and it was 6-4, and then the game ends. I, I thought the Hurricanes had a couple more chances. Georgiev made a couple big saves. I thought it was funny that the Avs couldn't get the empty net goal, but they end up cruising to a 6-4 victory. And once again, just emphasizing the point, they won this game and they played pretty shitty in it, if you look at it, look yeah. at the stats. Yeah, I mean, if Koshikov has an okay game, I think the Avs would be happy to get a point out of it. There's definitely a couple goals that don't end up in the back of that. I don't think O'Connor's scoring that goal if Koshikov's having himself a good night. I'll give Freddie Olsen some credit. That was that was just a good play. I mean, the, the Hurricanes are a weird team right now in the fact that I believe they have the most goals for and the most goals against at yes. the same time. They're averaging five goals against per game. This is a team that is kind of built around their defense. Correct. They signed Dmitry Orlov. And for a team built around their defense, it's weird that they keep insisting on Tony D'Angelo. Offensive defenseman. That's yeah. why. The guy does not play a lick of defense. If you watch this game, Tony D'Angelo looks lost in his own zone. I mean, that, that's just Tony D'Angelo. So I'm not <laughs> – that's just how Tony D'Angelo plays. So it, it's going to be – this Hurricanes team is going to get a lot better. Uh, they just need to get a little bit healthier, get some better um, – like that D is really good, but I feel like they haven't gelled together yet with Orloff and D'Angelo back in the picture. They'll get there. I'm not going to write off the Hurricanes at all, but this was a bad game from them. Like the Avs played bad and the Hurricanes played worse. Yeah, it just it felt like an early season game where yes. both teams are still figuring things out. And the Hurricanes are a three and three to start the season. They have some okay wins. They have some pretty bad losses too. And this is just one of them where you know they're going to be better than this, and you're not going to get away with that performance against them a second time, but you you take what they're going to give you. A win's a win, man. Two points is two points, and the Avs are still undefeated. Ten points, plus 13 goal differential, which I think is the most important stat when you look at this. Uh, and they, they, they're going to find the right way to play five on five. I know Bednar's pissed at how many penalties they're taking, 
because they're taking a lot. I, I think they're averaging probably about four penalties a game, which too many. that drives Bednar crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And, you know, it's funny because the Avs are on a five-game winning streak start season. They're undefeated. And yet Jared Bednar does not seem comfortable with any of these combinations so far. No. Season. Again, putting the lines in a blender. But one of the things about the way this team is built, there are very few combinations that I think I wouldn't like. There's so many nice ways that you can ice this team. And they break up McKinnon and Rantanen for the first time this season. They put McKinnon between Lekkinen and Nachushkin. They put Rantanen I love that line. Down, I love that line. down with Johansson and Tatar. I like these lines. I think I they you. work a lot. Like I have no problem with McKinnon playing with Rantanen, obviously. But breaking them up and sticking them with these two and putting Lekkinen with McKinnon and Nachushkin, I think that's a great combo. And I, I like the idea of Rantanen driving a line with Tatar and Johansson on it. I think that's a great – I think that's a fantastic second line. I do too. And what Miko Rantanen proved last year is he doesn't need Nathan McKinnon to get his points. Right. He, he can do it by himself. When they're playing together, awesome. But Miko Rantanen has a new confidence level that he can do a line by himself. He, he can handle it and be the playmaker and the goal scorer on the line. He doesn't need Nathan McKinnon to set him up. I love that. I, I thought the game changed when Bednar went to that. because I think that's exactly what happened. Because I love Arturi Lekin and Valnachushkin with Nathan McKinnon. Like, those are two guys that they just need someone to get them the puck, and they're going to find a way to score. And Nathan McKinnon is one of the best distributors of the puck in the NHL. Yeah, and that's exactly what Bednar was describing, what he likes on a line with Nathan McKinnon. He likes people that goes and digs out pucks. Get them to McKinnon, and he's going to go make something magical happen. Get that puck, get it to him, and chill in front of the net. Get a deflection, bang a puck in, or just get out of his way and let McKinnon do his stuff. And Nachushkin and Lekkinen are fantastic about that. And again, Val, he looks really good. His skating is back. The, the, he, he's back to the battle from the Stanley Cup final before he broke his foot. Like, yeah. I, I don't think we realized how hurt he was last year. Yeah. We really took it for granted just how much that playoff run took out of him. And this year, you can see it in just the way he moves. He's not fighting every single time he takes a step. He's able to move fluidly on the ice again. It's not just a matter of having Val in the lineup. It's a healthy Val. And you can see just the extra dimension that he brings to this team. This team has a hard time losing games when he's playing like this. They genuinely struggle at accidentally losing. Yeah, he is. There's a reason why the app signed him to that contract. Last year was kind of an anomaly with everything that went on off the ice. And on the ice, he was battling injury all year. If this is the Val Nachushkin you get for the last five or six years of his deal, you're, you're going to win a lot of fucking hockey games. Yeah, because even Val last year hurt was still an incredibly valuable player. Right on this team who still was very valuable on special teams and five on five. He just struggled at driving play a little bit. Now you have Val who's driving play instead of being a more complimentary piece on a line. And you can see again, the difference that it makes on this team and how much other teams have to account for that. And you stick him on a line with Nathan McKinnon, that just gets a whole lot more dangerous. Yeah. I love when McKinnon plays with those two. I, I just think it's just a whole that's just a line that's going to annoy the shit out of you because they have the skill. And when Val and Lecky are on there, they're going to forecheck the living shit out of you. They and... just work so hard, especially Arturi Lekkinen, who I just, I love that trade we made for him. I know it's just so far beyond the fact to say, I know. I love the contract that he's on. It's just, it's one of those moves. You kind of forget we made it because he just fits in so perfectly. Or you forget it hasn't even been two years since he's been here. It feels like he's been here for five. He just fits in 
so perfectly on this team. Four I, points I, in this game, dude. Yeah. Four points. Like I a quiet four points from him. I genuinely think Arturi Lekkinen is one of the best complimentary pieces in, in the entire league. It's one of the smartest moves a, a front office has made that they just got him at the trade deadline. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another one. Like there are good ones. I'm not saying yeah. he was unequivocally the best, but I'm right. saying as a complimentary piece, Arturi Lekkinen has been a perfect addition from day one. Just came right in here. No, well, he didn't come right in here. He had to go through immigration. Right. Well, he had to immigrate first. He had to load in first. But after that, of course, no maintenance. Just perfect fit. Throw him wherever you want. No problems at all. No problem whatsoever, man. I I think Bendar is we said he was going to do this at the beginning of the year. I don't know why we're shocked about this. He's going to put the lines in a blender for these first probably 20 games to figure out what works. The only lines that I think are going to stick are the fourth line with Olsson, uh, O'Connor and Cogliano because they work well together. And the third line with Drouin on it. I want to see that stick together a little bit longer. And I, I, I like that combo more. I do too. I just think it works better for Jonathan Drouin to be play, not being line matched against with Nathan McKinnon on the ice. Other teams are going to throw their best players out there. That's not conducive to helping Jonathan Drouin produce. You throw him on a third line with two guys in Wooden Colton who go out there and just dig out pucks, which Drouin is not the best at. But what Drouin is really good at is getting them pucks. You get those guys in front of the net. We saw it in the overturn goal against Chicago. Drouin can pass. He's got a very good pass. If you get Wood or Colton to crash the net, or if you get Colton to figure out some offense, looks like he's still adjusting a little bit to being a more, I don't want to say full-time player, but with maybe more expectations to produce offensively. And that's going to come in time. But I really like that combo together. Drouin brings something that Tatar is able to bring to the top six that just didn't really fit on the third line. I agree. I agree. And I think it's going to work better with Duran on that third line. But I think those second lines, the only thing that's going to stay constant is the centers. I think Nathan McKinnon's going to stay 1C. Ryan Johansson's going to stay 2C. And then the wingers around them are going to be put in a blender depending on how Bednar feels that day or how they're playing that day. Forget that day, that period. We might We might just see these lines constantly jumbled from now probably until the end end of the season where they are going to start at one game, change it up in the second period, change it up in the third period. That is going to confuse the shit out of other teams, especially if you can build chemistry between everybody in the top six. Other teams are not going to know what to do. Like they're going to be playing against different combinations every single game or every single period. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch, but overall, man, this was a really fun game. I, I went to that sports book bar that we went to, to watch game three, three, there was actually a lot more Abs fans there than I thought there would be for game five of the regular season. I even saw some Caps fans there. There was some Caps fans chilling there watching that abysmal game against Montreal. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there was a lot more fans there. And it, it is fun when you go to a bar and watch a game and people are cheering for the goals and all that stuff. But overall, man, I'm happy with the win. Still a lot to improve on. And now we go on an East Coast road trip, which I always love that the schedule makers do this for the abs. It seems like in the first 15 games of the season, the abs always go on like this five game Eastern road trip. And it always, you always hear stories from the team about how it just brought them together as a team, this trip. So mm-hmm. they start tomorrow or today, tonight, by the time you're listening to this against the New York Islanders, we've struggled going into the new, into long Island, into that new UBS arena. I don't know how to feel about this game. 
I think this is a weird game for sure. I mean, we've talked about and for talking about the Islanders game that we've struggled with the Islanders in the past. And like the Hurricanes, we've had some weird, chaotic games against them because we usually do get the Islanders earlier in the season. Sometimes we get right at home later, but we usually make this trip to the island in October. And right. last year, very remarkably, did not go well. Yeah, didn't they have like a three-goal lead and they blew it? Or was it a two-goal lead? I, I want to say that it was three because we lost that game five to four. And it was, yeah, it was a three-nothing game. And they lost, they they gave up five straight goals. Yes. Basically, they blew that lead. It was three to one going into the third. And they blew the lead in 10 minutes. Two goals in less than 20 seconds for Mayfield and Beauvillier. And then the 5-3 goal, and then Alex Newhook had his first goal of the season with 30 seconds left. Yeah, that's right. Made the score look a little bit better. Yeah. These games are weird. Uh, the Islanders are off to a decent start, 2-1-1. One, and one. Uh, Ilya Sorokin, I don't think, has played great so far this year. He, he hasn't been the Ilya Sorokin I was expecting to, uh, mostly just because he's on my fantasy team. And he, he's only at a measly 9-14, which for a oh. Sorokin is, is bad. What are we even doing? Yeah. I imagine he'll get the start. You think Varlamov has a chance to start? I mean, the Islanders, they've been off for a little bit, I want to say. Right. I imagine Sorokin is going to get the start. I don't think Varlamov really has a ton of insights to share at this point. It's just such a completely different Avs team than the one he was on at this point. But I imagine it'll be Sorokin that's getting the start in this game. I mean, I'd be lying if I wasn't a little concerned about it, just because the Islanders are a team that feasts on mistakes. And they have made a a little bit of mistakes recently. But while the abs are hot and undefeated to start season, I'm not going to be the guy who's coming on here and be like, oh, I think they're going to lose this game. I think they're going to win. I'm going to go out there and say the abs are going to win this game still. Yeah, I think they win it. I think this is a low-scoring game. I think we're like 2-1. I think that's going to be the score of this one. I'm going to say 3-2 as well. I I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to come down to the end. The Islanders are going to have the empty net, and they're going to come close. But Georgiev's going to shut the door, and the Avs are going to win this game. Yeah, I, I think they win it. They're, they're, they just they have to get this bug over them uh, of the New York. It's just the Islanders. They they play well in uh, in uh, against the Rangers in Madison Square Garden. It's just it's just the Islanders they can't beat. So it's interested to see how that game goes. Um, we did skip over something that I wanted to talk about after the Carolina game. I forget which reporter asked. It might have been Peter about Bo Byram, who already this year has had taken seven minor penalties. And I'll get the exact quote up here because it's it's one of those things where I don't think Bednar said anything wrong. He said uh, he can be a dominant player. Right now he's not there. He's struggling with the foot speed of the game. He His reads, his timing is off. That's why he's getting caught with some penalties. Like, I... I He's not wrong. Like, I think Bo would even say that. It's just you look at Bo's stats, they aren't that bad. I mean, he's played in every game so far. He he has one point. He's plus one. He, he hasn't been a liability out there other than the penalties. And when you have the expectations you have for Bo going into it, I, I, I just think Bednar's given him a little bit of tough love in this situation. Yeah, everything Bednar said is completely true. We've seen Bo Byram go out there and be absolutely dominant, but just for some reason right now, he's just, he's a step behind at the moment. And that's why through five games, he has seven penalties. Like he's been in the box. If he's only there once in a game, you're feeling lucky at this point point, feeling like you're getting away with it because he's just been in 
the box a lot. And that's one of the things I love about Jared Bednar. He's he's just so honest. He's not one of those coaches that just goes up there and is cryptic and it's just like, oh, we're, we're dealing with some things in the room. We'll, we'll work that out internally. He's honest. Like, yeah, he's, he's been slow. He's just ha- he's struggling with the foot speed. He's not up to speed yet, but he's going to get there. He's a dominant player. And I'm sure that's the exact conversation he's having with Bo. And I, Bo knows that. Yeah. He knows he's struggling to start the season. We've all seen it. He's gripping his stick a little tight. But we do have to remember, this is a young player. This is, a guy, this is a guy who I, it's still weird for me to say is younger than I am. And I, he I, hasn't even played 82 games in the regular season yet. Right. Like I'm, I'm a fresh 23. Bo Byram is a solid, I think what, eight months younger than I am. Yes. Like I can't even fucking imagine playing in the NHL right now and having those kinds of expectations on me, but every mistake you see Bo Byram make, especially for a 22 year old is a chance to learn. It's a development opportunity. And the fact that it's not costing the abs wins right now. And Bo Byram is genuinely struggling. You know, he's going to get over it. It's a young player. It's a young season. And it's not helping that he's playing on his offside. I I don't think. Well, they bumped him down to play with Jack in the last, I think period and a half of the hurricanes game. Right. And they bumped him down to the third pair, which we've kind of been not clamoring for, but we said, you got to break up Byram and, Gerard, you have I think, to. Like, I think you have to break up both defensive pairs. Gerard, Byram hasn't been working. Manson and Johnson is precarious at best sometimes. I think you stick Bo down there on the third pair with Jack Johnson, who, I mean, he, Jack's had his moments this, so far this season. He's definitely had a couple of uh, oopsies where he's fallen down behind the net. He's also had some games that aren't too bad. Like, I don't I don't think it's a death sentence to put Bo Byron with Jack Johnson. Like, what's he going to do? Take more penalties? He hasn't been good with Gerard either. Like, you got you to gotta try something at this point. But, like, I'm not super worried about it with Bo. He's I'm making mistakes. He's just not looking good to start the season. He's 22. Yeah, he's been around for a couple of seasons, but we've seen really good stuff from him. Some guys just at the start of the season, they just don't have it. And they it takes them a minute to figure it out and – if he just gets one goal or a couple of really good defensive shifts in a row, a lot of that will start to turn around. A lot of it's just a mental thing and it's going to develop over time. There's like, yes, there's pressure on Bo. I don't want to say that there's not, but there is time. It doesn't need to be right away. Yes. I've put the expectation that I expect that he's going to be one of the best defensemen in the NHL. And we're going to see that as soon as this season. I don't know shit. Like I'm, that's just, that's just me spitballing. Like we're five it, games. We're five games. We're five games in the season. He can very well still do that. We we remember how good he was last year to start the season. He came out firing and then basically got hurt. If Bo takes a little time to develop this season, but turns it around and stays healthy, I'll take that every time. Sky's the limit for him. So I wanted to talk about that because I, I thought, once again, Jared Bednar just proved like he, he was just honest, which I love. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games, and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets when you sign up. Best of all, nobody's going to be missing out on any of the actions this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly 
in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Now, back to the episode. Um, let's jump ahead to uh, another game that we will talk about after on our episode coming out on Saturday. The Abs go to Pittsburgh to face the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, did you know that Nathan McKinnon and Sidney Crosby were born in the same town? What? Yeah, I know. Crazy, crazy. We're, we're going to hear that a lot. No one's, literally no one has ever told me that. No, I don't think I've so. Never no, heard no one's ever told me that either. Life. Um, so that'll be a storyline, I imagine. And, oh, and they train together in the offseason. They're like really good friends. What? Yeah. Dude, yeah. Was no one. I hate ever, to be breaking this news to you. Dude, they, but every single time I watch these two play, no one ever brings it up. No, ever. never. They've never, never brought up that these two play in the same city. And they haven't been doing that for 10 years. Oh, you ready? And even Nathan McKinnon, uh, after he won the Stanley Cup, said that he knew he was going to win because he was in a hotel that had the number 87 in it. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. I know, man. The, I, need this, a, I need a minute to think about yeah, this. There's going to be a lot of storylines going into this game uh, because, yeah, Nathan McKinnon and Sidney Crosby are friends. Um, but when you look at this game, once again, the Avs, they, I don't want to say they play bad in Pittsburgh, but they blow leads in Pittsburgh. And they've done it. Last year was one of them where they they dominated that entire game and they lost in overtime. They they kicked the shit out of Pittsburgh for two periods. Granted, it was a 1-0 game. I mean, it wasn't like yeah. they blew a massive lead. They've got a point in overtime. And the year before that, they, they beat Pittsburgh pretty badly. That was one of Josh yeah. Hansen's best games after he was acquired. I think they'll be fine in this game. I think it does depend on the results of the Islanders game. I mean, we're just kind of waiting right now, aren't we? For like, because they have to lose a game eventually. They are going to lose, and it's going to be a question of which game does Georgiev not play. Right. He is. They're going to let Prozvitov play a game. It's just which game on this trip are they going to let him play? Right. Like, do you put him in the Buffalo game at the end of the month, where it's at eleven instead of at night, and just let Georgiev finish this out? I. I don't He's going to play one of them. Uh, the thing is, is is. Pittsburgh is is not that great in goal either with with Jari. He's at an eight ninety two so far this year. Yeah, so are a weird team, man. I like I watched them in person. Absolutely shit can the Caps. I thought they played a perfect game and they didn't give the Caps any room to breathe. I'm sure a lot of that was the Caps are horrible, but the Penguins did a great job at shutting them down. And then they go and they have a, a solid game against Calgary, but they lost the season opener to the Blackhawks, and then they got they got beat up pretty bad by both the Red Wings and the Blues over the last few games. So I don't really have a grasp on what this Penguins team is, but it still is a team with a lot of talent with Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin. Now you add Eric Carlson to the mix. I also think that's just a matter of this team. It needs to to come together. And the the Penguins are a team that I'm pretty sure I remember. They don't generally start great. They generally do tend to have some slower starts this season. I still think they're going to be fine. But again, the Avs, I think, are very well positioned to win this game stylistically, especially if Georgiev is in net. The Avs are just faster. Their talent is younger. I think it's going to be a good game. But the Penguins' depth has been supremely disappointing to start the season. They've been bad. Like They are overplaying Lars Eller, for sure. And they're just not really getting anything else from anybody in that lineup outside of the guys at the top. And I think that's going to be a big difference in this game where it's like, 
did, did I say their depth was good in the preview? I genuinely don't remember. But if I did, I, I, don't, I can't remember either. I don't know I, what I, I was talking about because Drew O'Connor on the third line is just I. You, that's not going to work. Jeff Carr just played five games, has zero points, minus yeah. one. Like he, he's that's rough. And Matt Nieto's got a goose egg. Nolachari goose egg. Redeem Zorna has a goal. Eller has two assists. But th- this is a top six heavy team. Correct. And I. My thought with this game, I think it's going to be high scoring. I, I think this is going to be like a 5-4 game. I'm gonna, I, I, I agree. I think the Avs are going to score five, but I think defensively, I think they'll be fine. I'm going to say 5-2 to two, they're going to win this game. It depends. If, if Georgiev's playing, I mean, and who knows, maybe Prozvitov is going to come in and just shine in the system. We haven't seen it yet. So th- that's kind of my thought. If Georgiev plays, I think the Avs win this game comfortably. But if he doesn't, I think it's going to be a little bit high score. I think it's like 5-4. But yeah, I still like, think, yeah, I don't think the win streak ends here. Yeah, it's it's just the it's the ultimate wild card is the goalies right now, whether it is Prozvatov or Anand that comes in the net. You don't have a grasp on what those guys look like this right. season. And Prozvatov has not really played a ton of NHL games. And he's been decent in half of them and not decent in the other half of them. It's impossible to garner any sort of evidence from that sample size. And has Ananen developed into a guy who can be serviceable? We have absolutely no idea. No clue. No clue. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, I'm excited for these two games. Uh, it, it is the good part about them playing on the East Coast is the games are over earlier and I don't feel like I have to go to bed right away. And it's hard to go to bed right after these games. You're telling me. <laughs> I these know. Game, the You're Black not the person I should at, talk to about this. At 1030 at night for me, the game was over at one o'clock basically as much as i've said on twitter that okay i'm gonna go to bed that didn't happen i watched i watched the rest of the game like because what what am i gonna do go to bed i want to see the rest of it right like that's the fun part about it but those are the two games we'll talk about the the sabers game as we recap on saturday there is some fun going on in the nhl on tuesday though it is the frozen fury on espn why they decided to do that on nba opening night i have no idea but uh I'm going to watch. I'm interested to see how it goes. It is going to be fun to have 16 games tomorrow. But the fact that at the time we're recording this on Monday, there's only one game tonight and then followed up on Wednesday, there's only one game. That kind of sucks. Yeah. You had 15 games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, one game today when we're recording this Monday between Montreal and Buffalo, 16 games on Tuesday. Every single team in the NHL is playing They're all staggered start times. They've been making a big deal out of this. And then Wednesday, you got a single game. And of course, it is the Capitals and the Devils playing. So I just have to watch the Capitals get absolutely canned in New Jersey. But I like this idea of having every team play once or twice a year. I don't love the surrounding days where there is nothing happening. I like the staggered start times. Why is it on a Tuesday? And why I didn't even know this until you said this pre before we started the show. Why is it on NBA opening night? Yes, because the NHL is just super smart. They're doing great. Well, I mean, I, th- I think this is an ESPN thing, to be fair. I think, yes, because ESPN, ESPN is on Tuesdays. They have their nationally televised games and then Wednesday's TNT. So right. I think ESPN like specifically asked for this. They wanted a day like this. I agree with that. It's going to be fun. I, I'm going to watch it, but we're also crazy hockey fans and we'll watch anything. Is this going to appeal to the casual hockey fan? I don't know. It's definitely not going to be big in Denver because it starts right as the Nuggets are raising their championship banner. 
um, which is great. I also just real quick uh, about the Nuggets. The Nuggets won the championship last year in the promo video that TNT put out for the game. No mention of the Nuggets playing on opening night, even though they're the defending champions. <laughs> they didn't even put the best player in the world, Nicole Jokic, in it. That's a totally different thing. That is Maybe so chocolate. disrespectful. Yeah, disrespectful. But it, it's at least the NHL, when the Avs won the cup, Kale McCarr, Miko Ranston, and Nathan McKinnon were, were spotlighted. I I cannot even wrap my head around. Like I know we all praise the NBA as the the gold standard of marketing and you can't argue with the numbers. It's the the fastest growing sport in America right now. They're outpacing football and baseball and hockey, but I don't understand why they just act like the nuggets winning didn't happen. They just just keep it under the rug as much as they can. It made me chuckle. I'll send you the tweet while we're still going here, but uh I would much rather if they did this on like a Saturday when college football isn't playing uh, because that's coming up in December. Like there's a three week gap in December where college football is done and you can just do this on a Saturday and sure the NFL will have a couple games, but you should at least, at least do this on Saturday. A Tuesday just feels like no point in a Tuesday. I think a Friday would be perfect. Early season Friday, there's no college football. There's no NFL football. I mean, there's going to be basketball at a certain point. And at this point, like it's playoff baseball. You're not going to avoid that. But if you did this in February, March, after the Super Bowl or something like that, I think that would be way better. Imagine if they did this on like one of the last weeks and it's like a playoff determined. Yes. Like that'd be fun. Yes. I think like if you did this two to three times a year, you did one early in the year. Sure. You do another one, maybe around the trade deadline or something like that, around the halfway point. And in the last week of the season, I mean, you have pretty much every team play on the last day anyway. Yeah. Why and not turn that into this? One of my favorite days in the in the hockey season is, I think it's Hockey Day in Canada. That's one of the best days of the year because all the Canadian teams play and it's staggered. It starts at like 10 a.m. and it's on a Saturday in like... February. It's do they beautiful. Still, do they still do Hockey Day in America? Because I know NBC did that. Yeah, I don't know if they do. Um, the that's a good time to do it. Like I love the Hockey Day in Canada. I'm in America, but that yeah. that's just my thought. I'm interested to see how it goes. I, I think it's a cool concept of like just bouncing around games, but the different parts with hockey and football. Football, it's easy to go to it when there's like a highlight. Hockey, it's it's random. So I'm interested to see how they bounce around. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested because I'm worried that it's just going to be, oh, this team scored and we're going to spend most of our time on like, because red zone works because they cut to games in the red zone when they're right. able to score and then they see all the interesting things that happen and they show all the touchdowns that they missed in the meantime. My worry is that this is just going to be like, oh, a goal happened over here and we're just going to constantly be like cutting back. Yeah. Because the staggered start times is going to be cool, but there's also going to be a point at like eight o'clock where all these games are happening at once. Right. It's just going to be absolute chaos. I want this to work because I really do like this idea. It does. It also doesn't need to be all 16 teams. No. If you had had this on a night with like even eight or nine games. It'd be great. Like that would be awesome. I'm I'm there every time. I'm not watching anything else. Well, and I'm lucky. I have four TVs. I can have this on one of the side TVs and basically get to just watch every game. Yeah. So I want this to work so badly. And maybe this is something that ESPN Plus can do, where it's like, okay, we're gonna have this be a nightly thing. It doesn't have to be John Bucciagrass doing it every night. Like honestly, I don't even really need a commentator for it. Right. Just cut. Like just have someone in the production truck just cutting around. 
Like, I think that'd be fun. Because, uh, like, NHL Network does that with the NHL on the fly. It's okay. I, I don't mind it, but it's, I want to see how they, they do it with ESPN. They don't go all in on it. That's right. the problem with on the fly is they don't go all in. Where it's like they do it for a little while. They go live to one game and show stuff happening in other games. Then they have, like, a 25-minute segment where they're talking. And right. I want to watch hockey. I want to watch that, too. So I'm interested to see how it goes. I'm going to be watching uh, – I'm sure there'll be some hiccups, but I want this to work so badly. And I know you want this to work so badly. So fingers crossed. It's good. Um, other NHL news, Connor McDavid out one to two weeks uh, kills my fantasy team, which is already 0 and 2, but both of uh, teams are 0 and 2. Let's not gloss over that. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Both my teams are um, the one that I actually care about. I am 0 and 2 and that I actually like try and uh, that sucks. Um this is bad news for the Oilers, man. This has been a bad start to the year, and now the best player on planet Earth is not going to be there for one to two weeks. The Oilers are either going to rally around this fact, or it is going to get even worse than it already is. And it's not looking great on that front either. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl in the past, when McDavid missed time, went and won himself an MVP award that I'm definitely not salty about at all. But I don't think it's going to be a problem for Dreisaitl, but this there is trouble in Oilers land right now. Did you see the quote from Evander Kane earlier? Yeah, I thought that right. was just perfect Evander Kane. Yeah, like that, That's exactly what happens when Evander Kane is ready to leave a place. Yeah, it was uh, the exact quote was, forgive me if I butcher a little bit of it, basically saying that, well, I don't play a lot, so I might as well fight. He Because he got in a fight in their last game, I believe. against, yeah, against Brendan Dillon. Dillon. Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't play much anymore, so I might as well go and fight. It was just like that's just exactly the shitty attitude that got this guy out off of so many teams in the past. Where it's like I think the shine has worn off in Edmonton, and you know it's not great anymore. Not great. They lose again to the the Jets. Stuart Skinner makes a bonehead play. I also saw a reporter ask Leon Drysdale, and I actually liked Leon Drysdale's answer. He was like, "Did Stuart?" cost you guys this game he goes he made a mistake we all make mistakes like what kind of stupid fucking question is that (laughs) he didn't say that but the tone and the way he answered was like but i I believed you for a second he's like we all make mistakes man like you want me to go out there and just throw my goalie on the chopping block because he made a mistake like his face in it was just so perfect where he's like you want me to fucking throw this guy under the bus? No, we all make mistakes. So I actually I don't like Leon Dreisaitl, but the way he answered that question, I was like, okay, that was he's very funny. You yeah, got, you got to give credit where it's due. Leon Dreisaitl is very funny. Yeah, like that that made me chuckle. Um, so not looking good in Edmonton. Our preseason pick of them winning the Presidents Trophy may already be done five games into the season. Yeah, I mean they're one three and one to start the season. They're one win. They did absolutely destroy Nashville, but. Their losses, they have not been pretty. They lost two games to Vancouver, one of them humiliatingly. Then they go to Philly and lose, which not great. And then they play okay against Winnipeg, but you should be able to beat Winnipeg in a game like that with the amount of talent on that team. Winnipeg wins that game in overtime. It's just they're they're off to a slow start. I think they're going to be fine, but just with the way Vegas is rolling to start the season, it not looking good for them to win the Pacific, but I mean, the Oilers, they, they just have a lot to, to figure out where it, how is this team different than last year? I don't, they are. they're, they're the same team. Like I guess Connor Brown was supposed to come in here and be a savior, but he is goose eggs through five games and he's a minus four. And it's really, again, just dry and McDavid because Evander Kane has one assist 
Zach Hyman's pulling his weight. He's got six points and two goals. Nugent Hopkins got six points and two goals. Dreisaitl's got nine points and four goals. And McDavid's played five games before this. He's got eight points and two goals. The usual suspects are doing their jobs. Evan Bouchard's a point per game. No one else is doing anything on this team. Nobody in the bottom six has a point. It's it's the same problem with the Oilers that they just don't address. They running back Stort Skinner and Jack Campbell, and Skinner again just makes a boneheaded play. Is there a team that makes more goalie errors than the Edmonton Oilers? Toronto. Even still, like you had the Mike Smith ones in the playoffs yeah. years ago. Skinner and Campbell had a couple last year. I know Toronto has a couple, but I just feel like Edmonton, they always have these. Yeah, we're going to find out a lot about them because they face the Wild uh, tonight by the time you're listening to this. I think the Wild have a chance to beat the brakes off of them. Yeah. In this game. And the, like, the Wild are struggling. The Wild are, I wouldn't say they're struggling. I think they're off to the start they're, expected. They're, it's the battle of mid right now. So we'll see how that one goes. But th- that was a little surprising. Another surprising team, the Red Wings, 5-1. and one. They look really good. Debrinket has, what, like 10 goals so far to start this year already? Yeah. The the Red Wings are out of the gate shooting 20%. Yeah. Which usually I would knock them for, but they won their last game 6-2. to two. So okay. Yeah, uh, wasn't it against Ottawa too? There, That was the one before that. They won oh, that, that game like 6-1. to one. And then the game, they played Calgary. Two nights ago. That's right. It was Calgary. And they crushed them in that game six to two. But it's like, okay, their shooting percentage goes down. They win that game four to two. Still two right. points for them. So maybe we've been underestimating the Red Wings a little bit. There's definitely a regression coming from yes. that incredibly high shooting percentage. And I don't know if Vili Husso is going to keep this up the entire year, but Debrinkit seems very happy in Detroit right now. And they seem like they've got him a good pairing with Dylan Larkin. And maybe the Red Wings are more of a threat than we gave them credit for. Maybe. Dude, you won't believe it. We get the Bruins and Blackhawks as the ESPN primetime game again tomorrow. So Locking. that's great. Kind of a dark. Even though that happened on what wasn't that opening night or the day after opening night? That the we day after. Get yeah. this one again, but it's in Chicago this time. And they'll lose by two instead of four. So, oh, wait, didn't they win? No, they lost that game. No, they lost that game because you're, Bruce... the Pen- you're thinking of the Penguins. Yeah. So. Yeah, that'll be it's gonna be a fun day. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Um, not really much else going on NHL wise. Well, uh, I, I, we- I I have a personal one. Oh, let's hear it. Yeah. Uh Andre Burakovsky will miss the next Oof. six to eight weeks with an upper body injury because Jacob Truba cannot help himself and just continues to get away with everything he does, but just fucking Berkey, man. He just the poor guy can't stay healthy. It's can't not catch his, a break, man. He can't catch a break. It's been this way his entire career. Trust me, I would know. And after he missed basically February on and the entire playoffs last year, he plays, I don't even know how many games he ended up playing this season four for five. them so far, like four or five. He played six games, had two assists and a bad game against his former team in the Avs and plays the Rangers and like cracks his shoulder or something yeah. on the boards. This wasn't the dirtiest hit by Truba. Uh, it, it was still a penalty, but it's just one of those things like it, it's just Jacob Truba, so you have to expect it. He falls weird into the boards. I mean, you just got to feel bad for the guy. I, like, I don't know if I feel bad. He has two Stanley Cup rings, and he's made a lot of money, but it's just one of those ones where he could go down as like a player like he maybe could have been an all-star if he would have figured everything out. Yeah, if he was just able to stay healthy and – I mean, the guy, the year we won the cup, he played 80 games, which for him is utterly unprecedented. And then he, yeah, broke, but then he got hurt in the playoffs. Yeah, and then he, and then he broke his hand in the final and missed yeah. the the final 
four games of that series. Cause of course he did. It's what he does, but he gets hurt last year in Seattle. He gets hurt again this time. It's just, it's a, it's a rough life as a perky fan sometimes outside of the two times, but you know, other than that, it's been, I mean, like that's one of those things like, would you take Andre Burakovsky's career? Cause I would in a heartbeat. Yeah. He's got two cups yeah. and a massive contract. <laughs> I, get, I don't, I don't give a that. shit about the injuries. He absolutely yeah. give me that guy's career. You're a good looking guy. You're a really good hockey player. Your name's on Lord Stanley twice with two different teams. And you signed a five-year, $25 million the dude deal. dude is yeah. living the life of the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. He's got two Stanley Cup rings, a massive contract. He's had a solid career. He scored 136 goals in the NHL level, 336 points. He's got an absolute bombshell of a wife. He's got a kid on the way. Who wouldn't want to be Andre right. Burakovsky? Like, right. oh, no, oh no, I hurt my hands sometimes. <laughs> I have to go through surgeries. Yeah. But- yeah, he lives the dream, man. But I, I do want to see Berkey back and playing because outside of the three or four times he plays the abs, I will always cheer for him. And uh, he just seems like a good dude, just a super fun guy to hang with. So hopefully he comes back and he he can play again this year, which it sounds like he will. But that's just another blow to this Kraken team that, man, things aren't looking good in Seattle right now. Struggling. They had, that, they had the game against the Hurricanes, but as we've seen, it's pretty easy to score against the Hurricanes right now. And this Kraken are 1-4-1 four, and one. start the season. 11 goals in six games, 21 against, minus 10 goal differential. It's a weird one because my gut reaction isn't immediately, oh, they're going to be better. Because no. I don't know. I don't, especially with Berkey out now too. Beneers really needs to step his play up. Yeah, he like really they're, they're a team that is entirely conducive to they like you said a few episodes ago they need to play perfect that wasn't me saying that that was dave hextall saying that (laughs) oh right well you you brought it up that's right you brought it up but they just they don't have a lot of people super pulling their weight at the moment they're kind of just playing average i i think the shine might be a little gone where the there's the adrenaline dump from last season there's expectations on them this time i think they're gonna be better than this i don't think they're a lottery team but they need to have a lot of people turn this around very quickly. Yeah. What happened to Shane Wright, dude? I feel like we haven't heard his name in forever. Like, is he hurt? Is he in the AHL? I think he's in the AHL, isn't he? I, that's why I don't know, man. <laughs> I expected him to be, make the opening day roster. I mean, sometimes guys just take a little longer. And I think the thing with Shane Wright last season is like he played on like four different teams. So he's getting four different forms of development. So yeah, he's in Coachella right now with the Coachella Valley Firebirds, which is such an awesome name. Fantastic name. But he's got a goal in two games with Coachella. And I think that's what they want to do with Shane Wright is just leave him alone. Because last year was so chaotic for him. He played in the NHL. He played in the AHL. He played in the OHL. He played in the World Juniors last year. He played for four different teams. I think this year they want to just leave him alone, let him develop. If he proves he's ready for the NHL, awesome. If he doesn't, you just leave him alone to play in the AHL for the season. And next year, because this team needs stars. And there's really no way you can go and buy that. They need a star. They need to do Shane Wright correctly. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, we're, we're coming up on the end of the episode. Let, let's finish it with these mailbag questions. Yeah, let's do these. Well, we can do them now because we do have two of them or we yeah, can save do. them for Friday. Do we want to just start doing mailbag on Fridays where we just No, let's just do them now. Let's just okay. do them now. Let's just do let's them now. Because Friday we'll have two games to talk about in a preview. I don't know if we'll be able to squeeze it in. All right, let's do these quickly then. So, again, I, I can't say who asked each question because Google Forms has completely screwed this up. 
But this question asking, which combo has shown the most promise? Tatar, McKinnon, Rantanen, or Druan, McKinnon, Rantanen, or Nichushkin, McKinnon, Rantanen, or would you still try to move Miko to second and move Lecky or Val up? So I, th- I think we already answered this one. Yeah. Which combos have you liked most this season? The answer is I don't think there is a bad one. The uh, Duran on the top line is kind of a bad one. Um, but once they made that move and realized that may not work, every other combination has worked so far yeah. outside of that top one. Yeah, I think it would be nice to have Tatar be able to move up to the top line, but I just think Lekkinen and McKinnon work so well together. And whether it's Nachushkin or Ranton and next to them, I just don't think it matters all that much. And, and Ranton's proven he's a playmaker. He can handle his own line by himself. Yeah. We, we talked about early in the episode, but I... I I, I don't think Duran belongs on that top line. Yeah. Man, you know, and I think in a pinch, you can get away with it every once in yeah. a while. They're still going to try it for some points this season, but thank you for the question. That was either Bryce or Logan. Again, it doesn't tell me anymore. I'm sorry. Google just, com- I don't know why they completely screwed this up, but next question from either Bryce or Logan. Again, I'm sorry, but it's still very early, but who do you guys feel more confident in winning hardware this season? McCarr for Norris, McKinnon for Hart, or Georgiev for Vesna? Uh, the easy answer is McCarr for Norris because that's going to be the Kale McCarr Invitational Award. McKinnon has a chance this year with McDavid now being hurt for one to two weeks. Uh, Georgiev, if the Vesna ended right now, he'd win it. But there's a lot of other good goalies, and we've seen the abs kind of get screwed by the fact that their team's so good. Uh, the easy answer is McCarr. I would love to see Georgiev win the Vesna. Yeah, but... I, th- I think it's in that exact order. Is McCarr one, McKinnon two, Georgiev three. Whereas just... Sometimes the Vesna, you really have to blow people out of the water to go and win that. Otherwise, it can be a little reputation-based. McKinnon is going to get knocked for having Kale McCarr on his team and Miko Rantanen on his team. I think there's a shot that he wins it because he's just damn good. But I think because Kale McCarr is going to win the Norris this season, that's going to inadvertently hurt McKinnon's case for the heart because that's just how people vote on awards for the Avs. But one thing that's I've kind of noticed lately is even though McCarr only has one Norris, I feel like people are sick of him winning it just because we have seen him be the best defenseman for several years now. You've seen a bunch of people being like, oh, Heiskanen is going to win it this year. Like some people- Well, they just, they're trying to come up with the hot take because- that, that's, what I, that's what I mean. McCarr is the best defenseman in the world, but it just- it feels boring to pick him already at this point, even though he already has one. Am I making any sense at all right now? I mean, you're making sense, but like I get what you're saying from the fan perspective, but when I look at it from the media perspective, we both were in agreement last year. Kale McCarr was not very like Kale McCarr last year, and he still finished, what, second in Norris voting? Yeah. Or third, wherever it was. And that was a down year from him. So I think the voters have proved that he's going to be a finalist every year if he plays 60-plus games. And... I, I just think he he has the best chance to win an award just because one he's already won it, and two it, it's the biggest gap between any of those guys is Kale McCarr with other defensemen in the NHL. Yeah, and I agree. I just think there's so many good defensemen in the NHL that there are going to be some people who just want to be different and give Heiskanen votes or McAvoy votes. Like we're going to start to get into the territory. It's like oh Heiskanen, get give him one. Like he's he clearly deserves to be in this conversation. But I mean, it's it's too early to really have too many award conversations. But unequivocally, I think I'm way more confident in McCarr winning the Norris. Correct. I would love to see McKinnon get his MVP. This might be the year to do it because I think Jack Hughes is going to him and Jack Hughes and Carmack Dave, I think are going to switch off winning the MVP for a couple of years in, in the next five years. So I, I think this is McKinnon's best chance. But those are two good questions, man. Thank you to Bryce and uh, Logan. Yeah. 
Appreciate everyone who's sending in mailbag questions. Again, the link will be in the description for this episode. It will also be on our Twitter page. But that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Tell It As It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. As always, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. You can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. And you can use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. Again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go Abs.